Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And this week, we are hanging out with Liston Witherill. He helps independent consultants and agency owners sell their expertise with confidence. He runs sales and marketing at a $12 million a year consulting company, built a boutique agency, and now trains consultants to improve their selling and always uh, to help them always know what to do next. You could summarize his main advice in just three words, serve, don't sell. And we're going to be talking about that today with Liston. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, Brent. So Liston, we were kind of talking about this in the pre-show. I think sometimes people think sales is maybe a dirty word or dirty-ish, mm-hmm. depending on uh, your world view and experience. What attracted you to this type of profession? <laughs> That's an interesting place to start. Um, so let me, let me just first address what you said, which um, when you said that sales is a dirty word. And like all words... And like all ideas and all behaviors, it really depends on who's doing it and what their intention is. And so when we hear sales and we cringe, I would challenge you, dear listener, listening to this program now, disagreeing with me already, and I know I just started, but it's okay. If you're already disagreeing with me, I would ask you to kind of understand and ask yourself, what do you think about sales and why? Why are you having a negative reaction? Because the truth is, you, I, all of us, you, Brent, have bought things and we're really satisfied with what happened at the end of it, right? We were actually a lot better off at the end. The reason we buy things in the first place is because we want to improve our condition and we make choices to improve our condition based on our own preferences. Sometimes as a professional service provider, an expert in what it is that you do, you need to help your client 
understand their own preferences, the depth of their own problems, and therefore you'll help them make an informed decision. That's what sales is. Okay, so now to me. Why did I get into this? So um, it all starts with a rap career, Brent. I'm sure you saw that coming. Um, (laughs) I um, pursued a music career in my early 20s. And um, what was fascinating to me and has always been fascinating to me about hip hop is the uh, complexity and depth of content that can can be conveyed in a two to five minute song. I I always thought it was amazing. I thought it was like a way to communicate and have people repeat messages um, that will maybe change the way they think about some things or topics that they haven't been exposed to. And so I like was immediately attracted to that. Ultimately, that's not what I wanted to do with my life um, to run a music career. And I don't want to be famous or recognized and, I didn't also want to make the music everybody else wanted to hear, uh, which was a problem, right, for a music (laughs) career. So um, I eventually went to grad school and I, in grad school, my stated goal was to go into environmental consulting. And so I have a master's degree in environmental science and I did go into environmental consulting, but I was running business development and marketing, as you said, for a $12 million consulting company. You mentioned that at the top of the show. And while I was there, you know, I think I've always been interested in how people make decisions and why they do the things they do. And marketing and sales is like one of the ultimate ways to kind of, you have to be forced to understand that in order to succeed in any meaningful way. And so, you know, they, they're very similar in the way they function. They have different goals. Marketing is to start a conversation. Sales is to mature a conversation. Um, but you know, the, the thing that I love about sales is it's a one-to-one interaction. It's a chance for me to directly help someone. So you mentioned serve, don't sell. And I think we'll dig into that more later, but it's a chance for me to help someone. So for instance, I just got off the phone with someone about an hour ago, um, first call we'd ever had. And by the end of it, I was giving her advice about what to do long before we're ever going to work together. So it may be three, six, 12 months before we have any working relationship and maybe we'll never have one. But I, I like the idea that in 30 minutes, I can give her an insight or two that challenges her on how to think about her business and therefore what to do next. Um, and also to understand how is she processing this information and how is she going to move forward with it? And I think all of that is embedded in selling. So the, the short answer to your question is, I was attracted to selling and I'm also attracted to marketing because I'm fascinated by people and how they make decisions. And so I'll never stop learning about that. Marketing and sales, I mean, definitely in the customer journey is right there at the forefront of a lot of decisions. I mean, just running an ad and seeing that, you know, you got a 1% click through 99% of people decided to not click through and that 1% click through, like, why did they click through? Why did this client move forward and not another one? Um, that's a really interesting kind of take on realizing just the, the level at which human behavior, psychology, sociology, social programming all play into this. You also, uh, uh, pointed out that marketing and sales are different. 
And I think this is an easy mistake for people to make. They think they have a sales problem, but they really have a marketing problem. Uh, you define that as starting a conversation versus maturing a conversation. So how can, how can our listeners think about that in terms of identifying which of those they really have a problem with? You know, that's a really good question. And actually, I would say most agency owners have the opposite orientation where they think they have a marketing problem, but they actually just kind of suck at sales. So, um, but, you you know, I, I think it's important to address why is that the case. So for, it really depends on your business model about how many leads you want to get in the door. But you know, essentially you're going to back out of uh, a number of clients that you want. So, you know, if your average client pays you, I don't know what's average for, for um, your audience, Brent, but let's say it's $20,000 a year if they have some sort of recurring model and you want to make $100,000, you need five clients paying you $20,000. So I would keep going backwards from there. Okay. I need five clients. How many initial conversations do I need to have? in order to land five clients. Well, maybe it's one in five will turn into clients. So now I need 25 conversations. Well, how many people do I need to reach in order to get 25 conversations? So that's the kind of math that you would want to do um, just to sort of get a handle on where does the problem lie? The reason I say a lot of people think they need more leads, but what they really need is a better sales process is that not all leads are treated the same. So this is what I see most uh, agencies and independent consultants doing. They really thrive, like everybody, on word of mouth, right? Referrals and word of mouth is one of the best sources of business. I would argue that inbound may even be slightly better than that, but word of mouth is amazing. And when you get a word of mouth lead to you, they already trust you and they also come with a social obligation. This is an important point. So Brent, if you referred someone to me, they would feel a little bit of a social obligation to make good on your referral and actually talk to me, right? Because there's social capital at stake there. In the event of other types of leads, that doesn't exist. And so a lot of people will get leads in the door through all kinds of ways, LinkedIn, Facebook, website, email newsletter, on and on and on. And they think if the person isn't ready to buy from me right now, it's a bad lead. And that's not necessarily the case, right? So I would challenge you to think about two things. One is, are you having enough initial conversations in order to get the amount of clients and revenue you want? If the answer is no, you have a lead problem or a marketing problem. If, however, you are having conversations, but you think the leads just aren't qualified and you're doing nothing to track and follow up with them and mature those leads in a long-term basis, you probably also have a sales problem. Um, So that's kind of the distinction that I would draw between the two. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important for all of us to wrap our minds around what is the most pressing issue that I want to tackle Um, and generally I would say a good rule of thumb for a really healthy agency is about a lead a week would be helpful, um, and really put you in a position where you can start turning people away on a regular basis and not feeling obligated to work with clients that you're not excited about. This was a question that came up on a webinar today 
that's kind of timely for this, which is what do you do when you are getting those bad leads? I mean, I have suggestions that I give people, but what's your take on that? You have somebody who contacts you. You just kind of mentioned, you know, mature the lead, nurture them through a email or through kind of keeping the door open, regular check-ins. What's your typical prescription for somebody starts a conversation with an agency owner and it's clearly, it's clear that they're not a good fit for them right now. Maybe they will be in the future, but, uh, what's a good next step for somebody to follow for that? Yeah. So, um, I do want to point out, so if it's not a fit, the question is, is it never a fit? In other words, they don't meet the profile of someone you would want to work with for whatever reason. Maybe it's just personality driven, but maybe it's budget or they're too small, or is it just not right now, as you point out, Brent? So if the answer is not right now, I would suggest having some sort of um, content campaign and also an individualized check-in. Here's what I mean by that. I publish three videos a week on LinkedIn. I also have a Facebook group. I have an email newsletter. Uh, I have a podcast. There's lots of ways for people to stay in touch with me without me having to directly reach out to them all the time. Of course, if they're seeing, if they're in one of these channels, then they're seeing my face and hearing my message in a helpful way where I'm really, my primary goal is to be in service to them. Um, But I would also recommend having a periodic check-in and getting buy-in on that. Um, So, you know, I'm big on permission. So if you talk to someone and you both agree, you know, now's not the right time, you need X, Y, and Z in place before we're a good fit to work together. Here's my advice to go do that. Um, at the end of that conversation, then also ask, hey, is it cool if I check in with you periodically, say every quarter? And if they say yes, you're going to need a mechanism to do that because I promise you, your feeble human brain, mine included, will never remember everybody if you have a, a decent lead flow. And so, you know, it could be as simple as setting a task reminder in your project management system. Um, I use kind of power tools in my Gmail to help me remember that. And I just follow up with people. And I, it's funny, Brent, I, I often have people, when I do follow up, they go, wow, that's amazing. You said you'd reach out in two months. It's two months to the day. And I'm like, well, yeah, because the email <laughs> popped up in my inbox and I, you know, I reached out, like I said, I was. It's um, like we, we solved that problem on the internet pretty early on of reminders and such. So that's good. Yeah, but it takes discipline. And so I I don't want to belittle anybody for not doing it. It does take discipline um, because you, the human being have to go in and remember to set the reminder. And I think there's a practice and discipline that comes with um, treating this in a much more formalized way. Or when the reminder comes like the alarm in the morning, they hit snooze or they're like, Oh, I'm busy now. So it's, it's both that reminder and also that, uh, you know, keeping that capacity available for nurturing. I mean, I know when, when our sales team has a really busy week and they're doing back to back appointments all day, every day, there's not a whole lot of time for that long-term nurture built in there that you need if you're going to have that a part of your strategy. Right. And so what a lot of people will do is just write an email campaign that goes to everybody. Um, my feeling about that is it's not very effective, um, or at least not as effective as if you actually reached out to someone. So, um, you know, it's better than nothing. That's for sure (laughs) to dump someone in an automated campaign. Um, however, it's not as good 
as you reaching out with a relevant message to them at, at an interval that you already said you would? I want to come back to this idea of serve, not sell. One of our core values here at YouGurus is to help first. So we've created our entire marketing and sales uh, system around this idea of helping people out, helping them first before we ask for any business or talk about, you know, what we do from a, a paid investment type of fashion. You know, we do a lot of free webinars. We have this podcast. We do a ton of free strategy calls. Uh, what are, what's some of the reasons that you came to this idea of serve, not sell? What was kind of your core ethos? Why did that show up for you versus a different style of selling? Cause there's, there's plenty of sales styles out there that are not based on service or helping first. Yeah. So lots of reasons. So I think we, I think the best place to start is, you know, what is the nature of consulting? The nature of consulting is you have expertise that can improve the condition of someone's business or personal life, depending on what it is you do. If you're an agency, of course, you're giving some sort of business result, ideally. <laughs> um, and in order to give that business result, you need some insights, some level of insight and strategic thinking in order to um, actually deliver on the promise that you're making. Now, early on in the process, people have no idea who you are or how, you know, how good you are at it. Even for me and you, Brent, you know, I do a lot of content marketing, you do too. But even when people talk to you, like they, they, they're still not to totally sure um, whether or not that you're the one to solve all their problems. And I think the key idea here is we all have lots of different options and opportunities to expend our resources, in this case, money. And so what I try to do is serve my client from the very first moment. Now, one of the reasons is there's something called the halo effect. And essentially, it works like this. Have you ever heard the term um, or the phrase, uh, what is it? First, first impressions or everything? Mm -hmm. I forget exactly what it is. But the, the reality is, we're making up our mind about people from the very first moment we're interacting with them. In fact, your clients, before you ever talk to them on a first sales call, they've already done half of their research. They're pretty close to a decision, more than likely. Um, and they know a lot about you and they already have a well-formed opinion of you. Now, once you get into that sales situation, if you seem annoying not helpful, not like someone that they would want to work with to solve these serious problems that they're encountering. Um, that's it. It doesn't matter how good your service is, right? So it's a very relationship-driven business. Clients come from relationships. Relationships come from conversations. And conversations are the starting point of every sale. And that's why I say it's so important to serve and not sell. The, the, you know, pest control guy came up to to myself and my son. We we're out riding our bike in the front, and you know, it's kind of this young twenty something sales guy. And m my wife always kind of chuckles when salespeople try to sell me because yeah, I mean, I've done my homework. I've taught a lot of people how to sell. You know, I know you have too. Uh, and so it's always interesting to be sold to. 
and to be very aware of what somebody is doing uh, in that environment. And he had, he had like all the, all the tricks in the book, right? It was, it was like, you know, he had his, his question that he opened with trying to like hook me in on something. Uh, every time I was like walking away, he was trying to re-engage me and trying to kind of talk to me about something. Uh, he had his, you know, his, his price anchor. He offered me a, a $300 service, but then he dropped it down immediately to 80 bucks a month or something like that. Um, you know, so we kind of had all the tricks and, you know, it was, I wouldn't say it was from a place of, of service. And I find that there's a lot of people out there that sell in that mentality of just trying to, you know, they look at you as one more lead, one more opportunity. Yeah. So I'd like to, um, add to that. So if I'm in the pest control business and I'm selling something for $80 a month, you Brent are worth in one year of service, a thousand dollars to me in total revenue, right? So if my margin's 20%, that's only 200 bucks. It's like, to me, very close to zero in the business that I run, right? Now, as an agency owner, you don't have to do that. (laughs) The reason they go door to door, there's a couple of reasons, but one is they're totally commoditized, right? It really doesn't matter which pest control company you go with because they all use the same chemicals, they all use the same procedures, they drive the same trucks. Some are a little more responsive than others. That's pretty much the the main differentiator. Um, But as a service business, your clients are worth a lot more to you. And so you have the, the luxury, and I would call it a luxury, of spending more time with people to not do that kind of crappy door to door, you know, (laughs) let me ask you a question, Brent, do you enjoy seeing ants in your kitchen in the (laughs) summer? Right. That kind of thing. Like, that's not what I mean when I say selling. Um, That's not what I want you to do because obviously that's going to cast a negative shadow rightfully on any conversation you would have with that person in the future because no one likes to feel pressured. What are some things that agency owners could apply to those first conversations with a potential customer to, uh, to start off on the right foot. You mentioned that, you know, first impressions matter a lot. We know that people are doing their homework before they show up, but I mean, how, how for, for you, like how do you teach people how to have that initial conversation? Cause I feel like that's very tangible, tactical people that are listening to this show today are likely going to get a lead in the next you know, maybe it's, maybe it's later this afternoon. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's in, in, a, in a week, right? If we can give them something that they can try an exercise or a different way of approaching that, uh, what would your suggestion be? Well, we know they're getting leads because of their YouGurus education. So <laughs> that's go. a good, they're, they're getting um, leads while they're listening to this program right now. Right? They're like, <laughs> would you guys, right yeah, now. would you guys stop talking stop so I can handle, though. handle all these leads I'm getting, but <laughs> thank you. Listen. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So the, the, I think my advice for this is pretty simple and it's the same every time. So your goal in your first call is to learn. It is not to pitch. So here's what I want you to remember. You're going to have a little listen in your ear screaming this forever. Don't pitch during discovery. In that first call, your goal is to learn as much as you can about their, about your potential client. What's going on right now? What have they tried in order to improve their situation? Why did that work or not? Why did they want to talk to you versus someone else? Um, What their goals are for their business? These kinds of questions are what we want to uncover in the first conversation, or at least the first few. Often I could uncover those types of questions in, say, 30 or 60 minutes. Um, But that's the goal of that first conversation. And the reason is 
if we are to improve our client's condition, we need to know fully what that condition is before we can make an educated assumption about whether we can actually help them or not, right? That's part of service is to really understand what's going on. So in order to facilitate that discussion, um, number one, don't pitch in that first call at all. It's okay to say, here's generally how we work. Here's the type of things that we do because people may, be, may want to know a little bit about you, but always shift the conversation back to your client. The second thing I would say is um, always end that first discussion with a next step. Both parties should have complete agreement on what's going to happen next. So if the conversation goes really well, you might say something like, well, I think I can really help you. The next step would be for us to talk a little bit more specifically about what that help may look like, the price, the budget, the timing. Um, how does that sound? And if they say yes, you're going to say, great, get out your calendar. And you're not going to hang up until you have another meeting scheduled. If they need to talk to someone else on their team, totally fine. Ask them when they're going to do that and say, okay, if I don't hear from you first, I'll contact you in two weeks, right? So always, always approach that conversation with a learning mindset, not a talking or a me mindset, and always have a next step at the end of it. If somebody is getting friction or non-committal type answers from a client on next steps, what's your take on that? I mean, is that something they should try to overcome? Should they unpack that? Should they take a step back? Should they DQ it? Um, you know, cause I think that happens for a lot of people where you get the price shoppers, the, uh, people that were just calling for an exploratory, like, you know, this morning I had the, the best idea for the next Facebook app and I'm calling 10 agencies cause that feels good. Like I'm doing something, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm getting them to all give me price estimates and then I can, you know, move on with my day. I mean, obviously that's not a very good situation to be in, but sometimes I feel like leads and prospects, um, you know, aren't willing to commit to a next step. And we, we obviously, we teach a lot of that of scheduling your next appointment and making sure you have a plan for that. But how, how do you recommend uh, handling that situation? Well, so it depends on where the resistance is coming from. Um, one thing you said a bunch is about price, right? So, um, you should be able to sniff out before you get on the phone if this looks like someone who could pay you um, because you should have an ideal client in mind based on that ideal client, right? You, you can make some assumptions about whether or not they're likely to have the budget. Now, if it is though, if you're getting the resistance around price, so if, you know, for that first call, if someone really needs to know price, I would recommend giving them a range, starting with the high end and um, then giving them the low end and asking, you know, how does that sound? And if they say, well, I don't know, it's a little more than I wanted to pay. Um, I'd say, tell me more about that. And if they say, well, you know, there are cheaper people out there. Um, to that, I would always respond, I know you should hire them. Um, just to be clear, is pricing the number one driver of your decision? Now, people don't like this question. <laughs> it can feel uncomfortable to ask it. Um, but what I can tell you is um, almost everyone at that point will say, no, pricing is not the number one driver. And then I'd say, okay, great. Let's have a discussion about what are the drivers of your decision? Oh, well, it's qualification. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. And then you can come back to a, a place where we're sharing information now. Someone no longer has a wall up. 
Um, and so that's really what I would suggest. If someone's not willing to talk to you or share, it's a really bad sign, right? You can't do your job if you can't have an open conversation with your clients. So what I would suggest is to try to disarm them by addressing whatever you think it is head on. Um, and if they're still not willing to talk, then you would just say, no worries. I'm sensing that, you know, maybe you just want to get off the phone right now. I totally understand. Um, is there anything else I can help you with? And then maybe it's over and that's fine. Our goal isn't to close every client. That's really a terrible goal. Our only goal is to help people make an informed decision about whether or not they should work with us. Right. So, um, you know, I'm not big on like, um, smashing objections or <laughs> all the words that salespeople use, like, you know, destroying objections. It's like military warfare and an objection is a key target. Um, that's not the goal. The goal is just to have an open conversation. But you did use a term, uh, you want to disarm them. So, uh -huh. so I, you know, I, I do want to call attention to that. I mean, I agree. I mean, I don't think, you know, we should not try to, uh, just simply overcome objections. I mean, I think with, uh, I mean, I know with, within our sales process at YouGurus, I mean, we offer a 30-day money-back guarantee on our product. So it it doesn't really serve me or my client to push somebody in the program that's not a good fit because they're just going to leave. And I'm going to have to now, you know, pay mentors and pay commissions and pay all sorts of things and, you know, not have them actually stay in the program. Um, but you did use a term disarm. And I, and I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, when I think of serve, not sell, um, does that take certain sales methodologies, mechanics, tactics off the table? Uh, or is it just how in which you approach those? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, obviously it depends on what specifically you're referring to. It's, it's a really hard question to answer generally. Um, I wanted to address the term disarm, which I don't mean literally uh, take a weapon away from someone. What I mean is the second definition of disarm, which is to allay the hostility or suspicions of, right? So I want to be able to create a situation where someone can tell me, I just don't have the money for this right now. I'd love to work with you. I feel like this is too much. And what I'm hoping is in six months, we can work together. Boy, that's way better information than, no, I just don't feel comfortable setting a meeting. Yeah. Right? So that's what I mean is I want to create an environment where the other person feels like we can have an honest and open conversation. That's all I mean by it. One of our mentors, she talks about, um, you know, how, how can you get on the same side of the table as your client? Uh, and that's from, from Jennifer Buzzin. I think that's kind of uh, aligned with that idea of, you know, we have this idea of somebody comes into the business and you're on, on opposing sides of the table or you're at the conference table and you've got the client on one side, salesperson on the other, and they're kind of jousting back and forth. And that's not usually very productive, but what you're talking and about, I think. Yeah, I think that's a valuable concept because um, there there is this kind of weird thing that happens when you're using, like you said, these sort of standard sales tactics, which when most people say those, they're like um, argumentative or logic tricks or persuasion tricks. And, you know, I, I think all of that, I want to curse right now, but I won't. I think all <laughs> of that is a bad approach, let's say, um, because before you transact with someone, there's this sort of um, de facto oppositional relationship that a lot of 
people will take in posture. But ultimately, consulting is really like a marriage. You know, you're sort of an outside partner in their business for, in many cases, a really long time doing really important work for them. So, you know, I don't want us to be oppositional at any point. I want it to be like two people who would like to work together and we're just going to explore if that's something that should or shouldn't happen. Um, I don't want it to be like, you know, I salesperson slash agency owner trying to figure out a way to extract dollars out of your pocket, right? That's, that's just not the way to approach it. One of the things you said earlier was a question that you ask your clients, uh, around price, right? If that, if that was what came up, uh, can you tell me more about that? Right. That's a pretty standard sales open-ended question. Um, that I think a lot of people don't realize is, I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about, right? There's mechanics, there's tools. I think you very naturally use that. I mean, you said, you know, tell me more about that. Is, is price your number one driver? I mean, that's a very, I'm not going to say it's a scripted question, but I mean, it's definitely something that you have as a tool in your belt of let's learn more. Let's use that question as an opener to understanding more of where they're coming from instead of just this objection, which is, I don't want to schedule a next appointment with you. Yeah. Um, I want to address what you said about scripted. So in a sales conversation, you're likely to encounter the same things over and over again. Some people will have price objections. Some people will want more or less access to you. Um, some people will want to customize your standardized products, right? Whatever it is, these things are going to come up over and over again. And I don't suggest having a script, but I do suggest knowing how to address those, right? So I'll give you an example outside of business. If I'm a stand-up comedian, I know people are drunk in the club and some percentage of people or some percentage of nights will have one or more hecklers. I'd better be prepared to deal with that if I want my show to go on without serious interruption. Um, and that's what I mean is like, we know, <laughs> this is what I hear all the time. Well, no two sales are the same. And I always say, well, no, not exactly, but there's probably like a 90% shared area of range of possibilities that we could totally predict. And so that's, that's why I say, you know, have this way of addressing pricing. So to your question, um, you know, I, I think what's important there is just to have a conversation that's above pricing, right? So they want to talk about pricing, but usually there's lots of other factors that get people to decide whether or not they want to buy, right? So how many people out there in the world um, are massively in debt and drive a really fancy car? So if, you know, and they would approach other things and say, well, I can't afford that. Well, you made the decision to buy the fancy car and you're still in debt, right? So like, it's not, it's not just price that is going to be the deciding factor in any purchasing situation. So what I want to do is go above this factor of price and say, let's have a conversation about all the factors that are going to um, be inputs into how you decide. And that will help me, the person on the other end of the phone, um, help you make a decision about whether this is right for you or not. Um, ultimately, I can't decide for the person, but what I want to do is understand, like, maybe they're objecting to the price, but they don't fully understand the value that I bring. 
And so I want to have a chance to have that conversation. Maybe they're objecting to the price and it's only because their boss gave them an unrealistic budget. I don't know. It really depends on the situation, but I want to have a conversation about what's behind it. Listen, I hope our audience by now is better prepared to handle their next sales interaction uh, than when they started this episode. I'm, I'm confident they are. I know I am. Uh, I'm going to actually suggest uh, to have my uh, sales team uh, take a look at this podcast episode. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I like the themes around keep learning with your prospects and your potential clients. Keep uh, uh, focused on trying to learn as much as you can. Uh, as fast as you can to, to serve them better. I love the idea of serving them and not selling them, especially in the digital agency space where sometimes a sales cycle might be three months. Sometimes it might be six months. I had cases where it was six years. So having that service mindset and uh, nurturing those relationships, uh, I think is things that our audience um, uh, can't hear enough. And if they've heard it before, I think repetition is uh, the key to mastery, and I'm glad that they're going to hear it again on today's episode. Uh, are you ready for our lightning round? I think so. You can be the judge of that. <laughs> All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Stay consistent, stay persistent. I can let our audience know that you were uh, you were very persistent on uh, your outreach to be on this program. So big props to that. I think you live that. Very nice. Uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? It's between consistency and a hunger for learning. I, I think I'd probably um, rank being hungry to always learn more above consistency, but consistency is pretty damn important. And can you share an internet resource or tool that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yeah, definitely. So what I use to give my Gmail superpowers for my business is called MixMax. Um, it's amazing. And I'm going to cheat and share a second one, which is if you're not actively marketing and building a brand for yourself on LinkedIn, you're making a gigantic mistake if you're selling to other businesses, which of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you are. So do that and follow me on LinkedIn and feel free to draft in my lane and just copy everything I'm doing. And what book would you recommend and why? The book that I would recommend to your audience is called Predictably Irrational by Dan Ariely. The reason I recommend that book is it is a, if you haven't read about behavioral economics, it's a tremendous resource and really insightful read to understand why people make certain decisions that often feel like they go against their own self-interest. I have uh, come across that one a few times recently, so I'll try to get that to my reading list. Uh, listeners, if you want to uh, get links to that book recommendation as well as those tools, uh, obviously people know where LinkedIn is, but we'll link out to MixMax as well as some key takeaways uh, in our show notes. So check those out at yougurus.com forward slash podcast or just go to yougurus.com, click on the digital agency show and you'll find lots of great additional resources along with every single episode that we publish uh, on our website in those show notes. So check those out. Listen, how can our audience find out more about you? Um, so there's a couple ways I would recommend you just link with me on LinkedIn. You'll see pretty much everything that's going on with me there. Um, I would also suggest if you want 
um, some help in the way that I help my clients, but without paying for it. Um, I do have a 60-day sales plan, which is an online seminar. It's pre-recorded, um, but I do answer all questions and emails that come from it. And you can find that at 60daysalesplan.com, 60daysalesplan.com. Thank you for that, Liston. We will also link out to that page in our show notes. Check that out. Sounds like a really awesome resource for our listeners. Liston, this has been a packed full episode of great sales insights and advice. Thank you so much for being on our program today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right. That is it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great resources coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 